Hi everyone, I'm Abby Feeder, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. We have an incredible guest with us today, per usual, Dr. Camille Hammond. Spoiler alert, her mother gave birth to her triplets. Correct. You heard me correctly. Her mother gave birth to her triplets. Her mother was her gestational carrier almost 20 years ago before many of these stories were seeing the light of day. And like many of us who walk the path of infertility and then want to help others going through it, she started an incredible foundation, which you're going to hear all about, and she has helped 178 families pursue parenthood. I can't wait for you to hear her story. It's really, truly incredible. Her triplets are just off to their first year of college, and their foundation actually is starting a brand new cycle for grant application this week, the week that this airs. So make sure you look for the link in our show notes. And if you need some financial help building your family, because if you're in this infertility world who doesn't, make sure you check out their grant opportunity. Here's Dr. Hammond. Welcome, Dr. Camille Hammond. We are so honored to have you here today. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure for us to have you. Your story is so special. You'll give us the details. Why don't we start there and we'll work our way up to now. So you have triplets. I have 18-year-old college freshman. God bless you in every way. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So I am certainly a part of the TTC, infertility, family building, community. Uh, I lived the experience and I now work serving others. So I run the Cape which yes. is a nonprofit that supports families with infertility. And um, to date, we have funded 178 families with grants of up to $10,000 for fertility treatment or adoption. And if someone watching is interested, you can get more information at capefoundation.org backslash grants. We will, of course, link out to that. So let's go back to your story personally. How did you end up with triplets? I know you went through infertility. Well, your story is extremely special. So give us your story. Well, my story is mine. I think everyone has their own special story. That's true. Yeah. So my husband and I met as uh, first-year medical students. We met really the first week of school. And I would say we had a fairy tale romance. And we got engaged two years later and started immediately trying to build our family. I had been diagnosed with endometriosis as an undergraduate student, so I knew I needed to get started pretty quickly um, because I had severe endometriosis. And after a year of trying the old-fashioned way, um, plus a little bit of help because we were tracking ovulation um, with the grocery store ovulation predictor kits, um, we started going to the fertility doctor. And that started our five-year journey into the fertility treatment, the TTC with help world. Had six cycles of IVF, none of which worked. And after the last one, I was uh, advised to consider a gestational carrier, which no one was talking about. Right. So, okay, let me rewind on a bunch of stuff here. So you were both in medical school. And your endometriosis, you were diagnosed in medical school. So you're before 20. So Mm -hmm. you had, you had any symptoms and what was that diagnosis like? Because we know that the average diagnosis takes about 10 years to find. So I'm curious what your experience was finally getting that diagnosis. Well, I always had really 
um, painful periods. And I always had really severe symptoms. I vomited the first couple of days of my period. I had very long periods. So I would, it was not unusual for me to bleed seven, eight days, very, very heavy flow. I was going through super maxi pads, you know, every hour. I didn't know anyone who had periods as um, severe as mine, but I was misdiagnosed with cancer and, and it ended up, of course, being endometriosis as a first year college student. So I knew relatively early just because of the symptoms that I was having and some of the medical care that I ended up needing. Wow. Yeah. So my symptoms were severe and I know that endometriosis is an, is an really important cause of infertility and it's something that impacts so many. So I want to encourage people, first of all, don't write off your symptoms. I know that I was told, oh, well, heavy periods are normal. Oh, well, pain with periods are normal. And a little bit of cramping, that might be normal, but extreme pain where you have to take narcotics or where you're going through an entire bottle of ibuprofen, throwing up, you know, bleeding through your clothes, all that, that's not normal. So don't just chalk it up and suck it up. Don't suck it up, buttercup. Go right. get diagnosed and get some support. Mm -hmm. And trust your gut. I think so many of us, especially within the, when we go to a doctor and we trust our doctor, we really are not following our gut because we know something's wrong. So continue until your gut feels checked. Oh my God, narcotics. I can't even imagine. And so what did you do once you were diagnosed? Did you have laparoscopic surgery? Yes. Okay. So you did, you had excision surgery twice. And as far as you knew at that point, you might have complications getting pregnant or they thought that would sort of take care of it. Well, they knew that as long as you're continuing to have periods, you're going to end up, these symptoms are going to come back. You know, I had a lot of what they call chocolate cysts on the inside my gut, which was just big blood clots. And so they knew if you're going to keep bleeding, this is going to continue to happen. So you need to get pregnant so that you can have some definitive surgery. I had surgery a couple times, met this amazing man, and we did start the old fashioned way, trying to get pregnant, didn't work. And so about a year later, we started getting fertility treatment. And I was very fortunate that I had great insurance. I live in a state with a mandate. And so, you know, I was able to get health care for my infertility as, as well as just for my um, symptoms, endometriosis symptoms, which is a real benefit. And I know that's something that a lot of people don't have. Absolutely. And I think this was already now 20 years ago at this point. I don't think anyone was really talking about it. So the fact that it was mandated at that point is actually amazing. And you're in, you were in Maryland at the time, right? I was in Maryland and I'm so grateful that I ended up in Maryland. I could have ended up anywhere because, you know, medical school, I, yeah. I, went there, I got accepted and I was really fortunate to um, get accepted into University of Maryland. So I, pers I pursued that. And then after the last cycle, the doctor said, you're young, you are healthy and this is not working. And so, you know, we need to think about what your next step is. Do you want to take out loans, continue borrowing money? with no expectation that you're going to have anything different, any different results? Or do you want to try something different like adoption or a gestational carrier? And honestly, I was humiliated because I was young, I was healthy, and I couldn't even get pregnant, which felt like something so basic and so human. I felt like I was broken and I, didn't, I hadn't shared 
about my uh, infertility with many people. I, I called it my secret shame. So people who knew me well knew, but most people had no idea. And, and honestly, most of my friends weren't even thinking about having kids. They were thinking about not having kids. Right. So it's not like I could talk with them about this thing that was so important to me because they just couldn't relate. That just wasn't where they were. Did your family know? Could you talk about it with your family? Or was were you trying to keep it a little bit secret to give them the surprise of we're pregnant? You know? No, my family and I, my mom, my dad, my sister, uh, not my brother so much, but he, he's 12 years younger than me. We all, we talk every day. And so they knew what was going on. And my mom and dad asked if it was possible for my mom to carry a babe for me. Now my mom, she was 54, but they had seen a 60 minute program years before prior about this woman who carried a baby for her daughter. I think the daughter may have had PCOS or she had something, some reason. I, I believe it was PCOS. But they said, well, what about if your mom did that? Could your mom do that? And I was a young doctor and I knew a lot. I thought I knew a lot at least. But I said, they didn't teach us about a woman carrying her, her grandchild postmenopausal because my mom was had gone through the change of life so I don't, i'm not sure about that and plus that seems like something only you know rich people celebrities people that are different than me get to mm. do. and my parents said well you know just let's look into it let's at least talk about it and we talked and we prayed and we went back and forth and we decided let's just see and so my mom went and talked to her doctor and he said, well, I've, I've never dealt with this before. One of her doctors actually said, I've never even heard of it. Um, but her other doctor said, I don't think it'll kill you, but let's see. But it might. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they didn't know. They just didn't know. Okay. I want to dissect this even a little bit. So when your mom said that to you, were you like, whoa, 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 whoa my mom is not carrying my children? Or were you like, oh my God, I would have never asked you, but thank you for offering. I mean, how did you feel? I felt all of those things. Um, uh, you know, I was embarrassed that my mom was even potentially in a position at 54 postmenopausal that she was able to carry a baby. And I, at, in my 20s and healthy with no other medical problems outside of endometriosis, you know, that that was something that I couldn't do. I was not wanting to cause my mom any harm. She is a healthy person, absolutely. But pregnancy is not benign. And people can sometimes get really sick just because of pregnancy. And so I, I didn't want to do anything that would harm her. But my mom and my dad were committed and they were steadfast in their belief that mom can do this and she wants to do this and let's just move forward you said you have three siblings or two siblings two siblings a brother so and a sister. brother and a sister so she'd already given birth three times correct and, and three miscarriages and she asked what was my next question and she had three miscarriages wow wow and had you did you know that ahead of time mm -hmm. okay you did yeah. okay okay so you guys do the research and had you started trying to make embryos already we made embryos every time we had an idea it wasn't an issue yeah but it, we never had a lot so we always had three we never had four or five there was never any to freeze i always put all three back into me when we had the six cycles of ivf so were they weren't were they testing doing they weren't doing genetic testing then were they they were they oh. were 
no, there was no genetic testing. There was they, no genetic. So an, embryo quality. Embryo quality. So they could look at the egg quality. They could look at them the embryo quality. But this was before PGT testing, and so just for the audience, most of them know this. But in case, like that's why people used to put so many embryos in because they weren't tested, and you just hoped that statistically one would take. Exactly. Um, and you know, I have twins, I think, but we also put three in, we'll get to that later, which in this day and age is very rare. So in your case, it was much more common and your mother was willing to take those three embryos and put all three in. Yes. And we even had a conversation about what to do if there was an issue. And actually when my mom ultimately got pregnant, she we put three in and spoiler alert, she got pregnant. <laughs> She well, was extra pregnant. spoiler alert, like you said, your three kids are going are freshmen in college. Those are them. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, when she got to be, I don't know, maybe around 18 or 20 weeks, um, one of her doctors, and I had the, their names were Dr. Christmas and Dr. Love. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> because they were born right after Christmas. But one of her doctors said, this is a high risk pregnancy. She's older. She's had to gain all this weight because of the pregnancy and they, they wanted her to gain like 75 pounds at the first part, because they said, once you get, once you get farther along, it's going to be harder for you to eat. And so I guess you just have to, you know, your body is just going to have to live off of the reserves. I'm, I'm not sure, but she gained a lot of weight. And so they suggested a selective reduction to one or two babies. I know that's not what this session is about, but. No, I we can talk about that. And I'm very open that we did have to do that because I was given basically a 97% chance that I would lose multiple of my three if we didn't. And for me, it was an easy, easy choice. Right. And to this day, that, that third that we had to say goodbye to, I consider my angel baby that got me to my family. So I'm totally at peace with it. But when I see your story often, I think, oh my God, what if I had had the three, you know? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want you to know this is a very open space to talk about that and whatever your opinion is on it. Yeah. Yes. Well, my opinion is that uh, a woman should have the right to choose and our family chose to keep all three and we just were, we just, we prayed about it. We talked about it and we decided if something happens and we keep and we lose everything, then, you know, that's, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And thankfully everything worked out. We have three beautiful babies that were born 32 weeks along, mm -hmm. uh, two days after Christmas. So it was a little bit of a late Christmas surprise. And they only delivered because my mom had one spike in her blood pressure. She had a very easy, healthy pregnancy. But when she had that one spike in her blood pressure because of her age, they just said, you know what? These babies are a good weight. They were a good weight for triplets. Three, nine, four, ten, and two, twelve. So the... The 212 one was a little small, but for triplets, I mean, those are butterballs. Oh my God. What I took my daughter home at 410, 4'9, I think, even as a twin. So that is incredible. Good for you. Good for your mama. Good for those yeah. babies. Yes. We had these amazing, beautiful, perfect kids. And my husband and I decided we've been so blessed. And we started off with so many advantages. We had knowledge. We're both physicians whole physicians, not just in training by the time we had our kids. We had access to insurance money. And then after that ran out, 
we were able to take out loans and our family also gave us some gifts to help us kind of make the difference. Mm-hmm. So we had access to the money. We had access to people resources. It's not like we had to schedule appointments with strangers and tell them our whole story. My doctors, at least initially, were the people who trained me in medical school. Mm-hmm. Despite all of those advantages, we still almost broke. As a couple, we were at odds. Um, mm, let's get into this. Let's get into this. So mm-hmm. what what was his reaction? How did he handle the initial sort of shock of your mother volunteering this insane and amazing and incredible service? <laughs> I don't think it was real to him. I think he almost was walking through what he felt like a cartoon. So he just kind of went along with it. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. I definitely was driving the bus. And that's something else that I have seen a lot of. Usually there's one person who's a lot more, I don't want to say committed to, because people process grief in different ways. And so, but I was the one that was a lot more aggressive about continuing our care and pursuing the next step, seeing what what else was possible. Even when we found out that my mom was pregnant, he talked about the baby, the baby, for six months. Mm -hmm. Whenever he referred to the pregnancy, it was the baby. Because I just don't think he wanted to get excited about multiples and just to be disappointed because that's what happened so many times. It's interesting. Yeah, it was completely self-protection. And I find, you know, in my coaching business, because I coach mostly women, but sometimes couples, but the women will say to me, he thinks we're going too fast. He thinks, and this is a big generalization and only in cis heterosexual couples, but the woman does drive it. And my husband to this day, because we went through it for six years, says that if I hadn't driven it, we would probably still be doing treatment because there kind of has to be one of those in the couple. And if it's not the one who's going to, you know, primarily procreate with the egg and potentially the uterus, it won't, it won't happen. Right. Cause if the guy could drive it along all they want, but if you're not willing to put your piece in, it doesn't matter. So yeah. I just want to acknowledge all the women out there driving the bus because we're the mamas for a reason, you know, yeah, you're not alone. You're seen, you're not alone. You're seen. And, and, they might not say it at the moment, but one day they'll be grateful you drove the bus, as my husband is. He's like, I don't mm-hmm. think we would have been here if you hadn't driven the bus. I don't think we would have gotten the blessing that we have. So mm-hmm. grateful for that. Okay, so he's sort of in disbelief. You know, after six months, he was on board. He, I think at that point, he thought, okay, they're viable. We're going to bring these kids home. And we got the call. She had an appointment on Christmas Eve. And... Her doctor said, okay, you know, you had this one spike, we're going to deliver you, but I don't want to, I don't want you to get delivered when we get kind of the B team in the hospital, because there's a group that work Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, the big holidays. And then you have your people who are there all the time. You know, the regular folks were working and said, we have all of our regulars here just so that if the problem, we have the people with the most experience. And so that's why instead of the 25th, which I feel like was a Friday, we delivered on the 28th, which I believe was a Monday. Mm. And there were 19 people in the operating room. Each of the kids had a separate NICU team and everything was beautiful. And were they you in know? the NICU? They were in the NICU, of course, for how, for short term, long term? Uh, one was in there for two days. I think the other two were in for five or six days and then they came home. They were it's amazing. Eating. Paving normal. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. So 
I had the absolute best outcome that anyone can hope or pray for. My husband and I did feel like we needed to give back because we had just been given so much. Our hope was for one and to get three, it just felt like more than anyone deserves. So were you able to have your own personal physical surgery to help your endometriosis at that point? Did you decide to? Yes. So when it's turned one, as a gift to myself, I had a hysterectomy. I'm a hyster sister, baby. I had one 20 minutes after I gave birth. So I'm with you. Yes. Yes. It was, uh, it was a gift. And in some ways it just kind of felt like, um, you know, I was kind of getting a little bit of revenge on my uterus for not doing what it was supposed to do. But at the same time, you know, I, I no more really hard periods. It was, it was necessary. And I'm so glad that I had that. I mean, you, so, got, you got what you needed from it, whether you got it from yours or someone else's, you got what you needed. So why not send away, you know? I got, it got a great burial. And I, and I, ended up, I ended up being diagnosed with adenomyosis, which is the reason why it was so difficult for me to conceive. You know, I thought endometriosis, but why can't, why can't I get pregnant? It's because the uterine lining was completely eaten up. You know, just if you think about almost like a bunch of cysts instead of muscle tissue yeah. in the lining because of the adenomyosis. So um, I was grateful for that. So that, that at least gave me a little bit of closure and, and understanding of why um, that I couldn't get pregnant. So, but we, we decided we needed to give back. And so we, we founded this nonprofit really around the same time that I had my hysterectomy. Um, I guess a lot, of, a lot of good things happen when the kids turn one. We founded the nonprofit named it after my mother, Dr. Tanina Cade, and our goal for this new Tanina Q. Cade Foundation was to support one family with infertility. And, and I, I went through the trouble of founding a nonprofit because I didn't think I could get anyone to donate if it wasn't, if, if their money wasn't going to be tax deductible. And so I, I filed the paperwork myself um, and saved on every cost that I could because I was still a resident. My husband was still a resident and we had these three babies that needed to eat. And um, even that first year, we received so much support that we were able to fund three families. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so excited. One of our first Kate babies is named Kaden. Oh, I love that. And one of the others was named Grant. Mm. You know, just such a beautiful, such a beautiful, really way to start this new foundation. So, so this foundation is now about 17 years old. 17 years old. And it's, let's, let's talk about it. What, I mean, you, you've helped 178 families. So what is the process? How do you find families? How do they apply? And how do you decide who to give to? That part seems very hard. I think. First of all, that's great questions. Everything is online. So if you're interested, katefoundation.org backslash grants. Grants are available almost 24 seven, 365. We're in between cycles right now and we're actually switching our platform, but I anticipate that our next um, cycle is gonna launch September one. So if you go to the page, you'll be able to apply right there. We ask about your family building plan and what you've done and also your willingness to commit to serving the infertility community. 
So people who want to just get money and then fade into the background and, and not be a part of this community, not give back or give forward, it's not going to be a good fit for you. I'm just telling you that right now. Please don't waste your money. We really are looking for people who want to pay it forward. Once you have your child, are you willing to speak to other people about the experience so that they can know that they're not alone? Are you willing to partner if we have an opportunity in a city where you know I'm not located or one of our trustees is not located? If there's an opportunity to speak to the media about infertility, are you willing to say yes when the ask is made? Or do you want to pretend like you just took some herbs or had some acupuncture and, <laughs> you know, and, and that's not to say that those things aren't important, but it, it frustrates me when I know people who've had fertility treatment act like they didn't have fertility treatment, like they got pregnant on their own, because what it says is there's some shame. You know, there's some shame and I don't want to be honest about this thing that, that really happened. There's nothing about your story that should shame you. All telling the truth does is help that other person who's walking around feeling like they're the only one. Amazing. Two last things. One, I assume you always were very open with your own children about how they came here. From the time before they could speak, we would show them pictures. We would talk about how granny carried you in her belly because mommy wasn't able to carry a baby. This was normal. We talked about their story. We celebrated their story. Um, I remember one of their like pre-kindergarten classrooms, they had a show and tell day and they brought in pictures of my mom pregnant with them. And one of them asked their friends, did your granny carry you too? And, and they are friends to the this day with that young man because his mother had infertility. Mm. And so, you know, while they, their, their story was different, they, she had IVF and conceived, you know, she still related to this and she thought it was beautiful that they knew their story and that they were proud of it. And they thought of it as normal, like as th this is how everybody, or this is how anybody can come into the world. I love that so much. Okay. Last question. Is there any phrase or cliche or piece of advice that you live by that you think about a lot? Overcome. That is the word. So to overcome means to surpass, to move beyond. Now that does not mean that you have a baby. That means that you get to a place of peace in your journey. I think it, it's important to look at mental health supports because regardless of whether or not you bring home a baby, infertility is traumatic and the, the journey for some people is crippling. So please don't try and navigate on your own or think I just have to grin and bear it, you know, get help. And there are, there are peer supports available and there's professional supports. And my recommendation is take advantage of both. Don't give up. If you and your heart really want to be a parent, know that there are a lot of different pathways to parenthood some of which involve getting pregnant with your own genetic material, but some of which involve working with another person, an outside person to help you with that. And don't be afraid to be creative with your family building. Try and enjoy the journey. And I know that that's weird because nobody wants to be infertile, but you, you got to find joy where you can. And that means sometimes 
putting the computer down, turning the computer off, putting the phone down, and doing those things that gave you joy before you started your family building. The goal is always to bring a child home into a healthy, loving home and not into one where you and your partner kind of hate each other a little bit. So, you know, continue to do the things that have brought you joy and do what you can to enjoy this, this journey. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and for, for sharing your story. My pleasure. We'll talk soon. story is so epic and we didn't even get into the fact that this was within the black community where infertility and surrogacy are hardly ever talked about especially not 18 years ago so thank you so much for being here with me dr hammond your mother is a godsend i also want to thank you all for so much love that we've gotten for last week's episode with rabbi browse comments like you know, wow, what a full expression of life. And thank you for sharing the human experience. And that really is what the episode was. So if you haven't listened to it, please go back to last week's August 23rd. It is an incredibly powerful episode with one of my favorite humans. And listen, while you're there, follow us, like us, tag us, share us. Please take a couple minutes to write a review. Each and every one bears meaning. So I thank you. Please feel free to send in any notes or questions to hi at thefertilitychick.co or message me on Instagram. Follow me at Abby Feeder at the Fertility Chick or at Encircle Fertility, and I cannot wait to see you next week. Bye.